you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL Podcast. We are essential employees. Yeah, we are. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a city filled with heroes in bunkers. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy Monday! I mean, is it? <laughs> Mondays are rough in the COVID-19 era, especially with kids, and uh, they they sense it. There's blood in the water. They know that you're going to have a lot of work to do um, if you're a working person like my wife and I, uh, but they still want to be entertained, and then you add in some rainfall outside here in Los Angeles, and the, the the caged animal feeling mm. is real. I was thinking, Dan, how different every parent's experience is going to be depending on like how old they are. Like, I'm happy that mine are a little older than your, yours. Are f- how old are they? Five and five three? and three. Yeah. See that that's a tricky one. Like, Marks are a little bit older. Like, if they if you had kids in their teens or they're like fourteen, they're just going to be leaving you alone. You wouldn't even uh, see them if they're younger. It, it would seem like it'd be the, the younger, the harder. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I've essentially we, we've given up and we've realized that we've just raised or in the process of raising uh, two obsessed gamers who, uh, <laughs> once this all wraps, will not leave the house anyways. They've given up any they just, concept of outdoor exercise or um, healthy diet. They just walk around in virtual reality masks from 1995 all day. We're not, we're not far. I mean, honestly, it, it, that is the next step for this household. Um, that is a generational divide. I have a nephew who's in his early 20s now, and when he was about 18, I was one of those gross adults who asked him what he wanted to do with his life. And he basically <laughs> said the only thing he likes doing is playing video games, so he's got to find a way to make money at that. He's yet to do it, and I don't think he's got a job, so it's uh, just video games all day. I thought Yikes. that story was going in a different direction. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I just play video games, and that's what I like to do. Now, he, now, now he's, he's a millionaire. Into- yeah, millionaire <laughs> gamer. He's into Beth. He just got seriously <laughs> drop kicked on an international podcast. By the way, he's got to be I, feeling some sort of quiver in the in the. I eardrums. just think like that's that's a generational thing. Your kids are part of that generation too. You don't yeah, get well. it, Uncle Wes. I just want to live. Get off my back. <laughs> Put that's Uncle Chris headphones. Um, let's circle back before we get to the news. I, we should connect with a fun game of texter tweet. On Friday's oh, yeah. show, Ooh, yeah. uh, Mark and Erica both challenged Wes, Greg, and myself uh, to blindly pick a text or a tweet. Um, Greg texted Peter Schrager. And Peter oh, yeah. Schrager, by the way, will be on our program tomorrow, uh, catching up with Pete, uh, the Schrager bomb, and also his, uh, his mock draft. We're going to start this week uh, paying some more attention to the upcoming draft, which Obviously, it makes sense. Um, Wes, you had done a tweet about 
ice cream. Let's start there, Wes. You had tweeted about ice cream, your favorite flair, <laughs> flavors, and then a top five countdown ending with um, uh, you were uh, not into dairy, uh, no doy, something like that. <laughs> no, duh. Uh, None of the duh. above. I don't do dairy anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, Wes, what was the feedback that you got? Uh, uh, one guy called me whiter than mayonnaise. Um, oh, a lot of people expressed surprise that my taste was so horrible. Um, <laughs> apparently, not a lot of people like Rocky Road ice cream. Rocky Road's mm. fine. But yeah, there, the responses were all over the map. And then a few people, you know, <laughs> of course, after they listened to the show, said, oh, that, you know, that explains that this is funny. What, what made your ice cream? Was it just the topic itself of the tweet that made you white? Whiter the mayonnaise, or was it the flavors that you selected? Did you get any more uh, context than that? Uh, I deduced that it was the combination of the lame flavors right. involved and the statement, duh, none of the above, I don't do mm. dairy. Anymore. Yeah, sort of like an overly <laughs> precious, like, vegan anthem. Yeah, that, you know, that's getting. That's- wasn't them like pecan praline or something like a eighty year old flavor? Or yeah, something? it was a bunch of know. flavors that like your grandma would eat. I did read that tw- tweet, and the first thing that came to mind was uh, the whites are at it again. So, <laughs> <laughs> Greg, what about you? Did Schrägbaum reply to mm. you? Well, I was just thinking, should we save that for tomorrow's show? Because um, we could. Do I guess. That. Well, I'll yeah. s- I'll say it here and. In- that I have not told them that that was um, I have still not told them there there was a game involved. We did continue texting afterwards, but we can save it for tomorrow. He can learn on the show. Oh, okay. this went totally backwards, and now he thinks doubly of Greg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, yours was like a tweet that is, was no different than anything you've ever really done, right? So I imagine it wasn't a, a huge amount of uh, uh, feedback on it, right? Well, so yeah, Erica crafted my tweet and it was about essentially um uh leaving the w- current society to group up in sort of a nudist colony right uh with no possessions and no one's there not not a lot of people bumped on that <laughs> yeah um, which we I predicted took note that. of. and i i think you know in reverse the one i created for erica was similar but um you know she asked anyone to send me unicorn uh, a unicorn symbol as a as an affirmative and i did I, my entire weekend was just like insane unicorn <laughs> emojis and uh gifs GIFs. Ref- uh, Ricky, refresh what a brand my- you've built, uh, Mark. <laughs> that joining a nudist colony is is right on right on brand. But well, to you be fair, again, make it, yeah. Well, it was again. It's and I think we've experienced this in 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 all of it. It was like a ninety nine percent response from males wanting to go to the nudist colony. So I don't know what's uh, what's happening not, at this point. Not ideal, Ricky. I can't remember what yours was. What was mine? It? Was about like powerful women everywhere, but like <laughs> men just like eat and play video games and eat fast food. Did or you something. get attacked by Barstool Nation for that? I got attacked by a lot of dudes. And like people were basically like, why would you want to like gender stereotype when we're in a pandemic? Like what? Like <laughs> oh my this God. isn't the, this Fair. isn't the time to like Throw hate on men. Someone like asked when- if you crashed your Mercedes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone else was like, <laughs> so, someone else was like, wow, like I just lost so much respect for you. And then they tweeted again. They're like, haha, just listen to the podcast. Like my bad. I was like, yeah. okay, cool. Jerk. Like, blocked. I I kept the tweet up though. I mean, whatever. My my Stand turned into a, a legitimate homework assignment, <laughs> and it was um, Mark had had me um, send out a tweet saying I've been reflective during these times, and I wanted to hear from all the listeners. And I only realized that after the show that um. And starting to go through the DMs, which started flowing like a waterfall, that a lot of people then provided heartfelt responses to that uh, and then maybe felt a little dumb uh, after the show came out, uh, which I didn't like that. I I felt like I was being a jerk. I didn't think of that in the moment. So I did make the effort. I responded to every single person. It took me all weekend. It was literally in the hundreds. Uh, And I have to say it went from Idaho to Iceland, Belgium, to Germany, Ireland, to Scotland, Australia, Canada, Mexico, and of course, England, who are certified hashtag mad for it. Um, It is amazing, um, our listenership uh, from a global standpoint, um, how passionate you guys are overseas. I mean, we got plenty of United States people, but it was by far a majority of... um, listeners overseas or in Canada and Mexico, and this will not come as a surprise. I'm going to guess somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 or 500 DMs, one woman. (laughs) (laughs) 
One. Did she slide well, that's, in? It's similar to the breakdown at our uh, at our live shows. Except the, the difference is live shows we get a few more because there's dates. I don't know. I don't know what's going on at the live. Wives. Like not last time they go on a date. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, while it was not something I would have typically sent out, I'm glad Mark that you did it uh, or chose that because it was really cool um, hearing from the listeners. So many of them um, had stories, stories about what's going on in their life and and hardships. Uh, and what the podcast has meant uh, to them, uh, people who are on the front lines of this COVID-19 pandemic that um, are working all day and just use our show as something to wind down from. Um, amazing some of the stories. So I was happy to be in contact with everybody. I don't think I'll be doing that every weekend, uh, but it was it was a, a cool experience. And uh, again, we are very lucky to have you guys as listeners. Well, credit to you for, you know, not just... Uh using the out, which you would have been able to do an hour or so later and say, sorry, not going to reply to any of you uh, clowns out there. Well, that's why it was brilliant, Mark, because if I would have done that, I would have been just an A-plus jerk. Because once you see see some of these messages, to just blow it off as part of a podcast segment, I don't think that was an option, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, when I can add 15 or 16 hours of um, (laughs) hardcore online labor to your weekend, uh, I want to do that. At one point, Emily and I were laying side by side with two laptops. She was reading them to me, and I was dictating answers to her while I was doing my own answers on my laptop. It was was that hardcore in terms of the uh, the task. Like a factory. Was Emily impressed? I mean, seeing all these DMs come in for you, that's kind of cool. I wish she so. was more. I wish she was more impressed. She doesn't she seem she enjoyed doing it. I will give her that and my wife is amazing and she um basically took on the job with me. But I there was no point where she like closed the laptop and was like, wow, you guys really make a difference, which I was kind of hoping at some <laughs> point that happened, but she was just doing the work. She was cranking. What Hearing. did the female write to you? I'd like to know. <laughs> is Mark single? I believe was uh, no. Very I'm sure that's not. I'm sure that's not what it was. I, I don't recall. Again, there were many of them, but uh, that was your fun. common man ranking has never been higher. It is soaring right now. All right. I mean, I'll take that. I'll take that. I did get some replies along those lines, but that was not the intention of the exercise. It was, it, well, it you was put in not. the work. Um, all right. Let's uh, do some news. cover of the Greybeards 2020 theme by Danny Everett. Um, shout out to Danny uh, using uh, backing choir there, which is, you know, pretty uh, hardcore. And I want to point out just a reminder of how crazy and different this uh, season off season is obviously with uh, COVID-19 and how that's affected the free agent market. Usually by a week after the Greybeards article comes out on NFL.com, the roster's already been picked apart. I'm looking at this list. I, I'm sure there's been a couple guys, but for the most part, the free agent market is just kind of ground to a halt. And almost everyone here, if not every single guy, uh, is still on the market a week later. So obviously things, the way things have set up with the inability to for players to travel, physicals, things of that nature, um, whenever we do get back to normal, hopefully sooner rather than later, uh, there's going to be a flurry of signings that in the past would have already been done by now. So that's coming up on the horizon. Yeah, I wonder if that's partly because of the compensatory pick formula or it's partly, okay, let's sign our priority guys. And then once you got about a week into free agency, the world already seemed different than when it started out free agency. And I feel like like every business, they're just pressing pause for now and those players might lose out a little bit i mean it's not like you need them in the building to attend meetings or they can't do anything anyways so why not see them in the in flesh before you hand over the money all right let's get to the news the first one this was a uh, report from our own judy batista um who reported this uh on monday that the pass interference replay which was in effect in 2019 and was, you know, really not received very well, didn't go very well at all. Uh, That will, according to Judy, almost certainly not be extended. 
Mm. uh, into 2020. So it was set up as a one-year trial run. And at least in the format it is now, Greg, it is not going to come back, according to Judy's reporting. She didn't say it with certainty, but almost certainly uh, it's going to be one and done for the instant replay. Well, yeah, we know Judy's talking to people at the top to get that. That info, the news would have already happened because we would have finished the owners' meetings by now, and they would have talked about it. And Wes, Wes was one of the first people <laughs> that I heard nationally, certainly on our podcast, saying he didn't think it was going to be back. And I'm, I'm surprised. Um, maybe they do find another way to do some sort of interference. They have the sky judge thing happening this year, but uh, it is kind of amazing that this is going to turn out to be a one year crash and burn. What is this? What is the sky judge? I, I missed this entirely. I don't really know. You know, <laughs> an, an omnipotent um, ruler uh, about lodged about 200 <laughs> yards above the field that we don't understand yes. where it comes from, but you it's s- never wrong. <laughs> you said it, Greg, like everyone knew. That's why I asked it. That well, way, it, yeah, it's, that it's an knows. extra replay official, I think, that can that can um, that can help out and, and buzz in. But that's not specifically for pass interference. or anything uh. like that. It would be like if you're sitting at home and you have advantage of all these replay angles, they pick the smartest viewer at home. And he gets to make all the decisions as the czar, except he's sitting in the stadium, not at home. And I thought the idea in general um, was a noble one. And of course, it came after the Nickel Roby Coleman PI in the 2018 NFC Championship game. But it just, yeah, it just didn't work. And I wonder because it makes me think of instant replay. And older NFL fans will remember that they tried replay a couple times uh, in the early 90s, didn't work. Uh, and well, maybe it was one other time in the early nineties, they tried it. It didn't work. They, they got rid of it. And then it came back a second time, instant replay. I still think that's probably something that happens with this as well, but Mm. they might have to go underground for a while. Mark, I'm curious what you think, um, for them to come up with a a different way to do it, because there's no way they're just going to bring it back similar to what it was in 2019. I just think it makes sense that you, don't leave yourself open to what we saw in the playoff games that basically triggered this, that you did these disastrous talking point missed calls. But my other side of it is that I think it just creates this shaky tension where refs are, no one really believes anything that a referee does at this point at all. I can't think of a profession on the planet, um, you know, outside of a certain truly dangerous task that I would not want to be a ref. I just, there is no upside. You can make a hundred correct calls in a row and then you're at the center of some total technical meltdown where your (laughs) word looks ridiculous. And it's like, again, it's just the same old, like refs, the refs are losing here too. And they just, but also football needs more. I mean, it's just, it needs to be better officiated because it's too embarrassing when these calls go south. I, I think eventually the sky judge is going to be the solution. And I, the biggest problem right now, and this was the same thing with the catch rule, I think viewers understand that in real-time action, officials are going to miss some calls. What they don't understand is taking five minutes to review a call and still getting it wrong, which is what both the catch rule and the pass interference rule did. It messed with the integrity of the game in, in addition to slowing it down. In other news, oh my goodness, Armin. You know who we have to get on the show? Andrew Marchand. Hasn't oh, yeah. Andrew, haven't we done enough uh, conversations on the show entirely based off the reporting of the New York Post media, sports media guy, Andrew Marchand, that we should have him on multiple, the show? Multiple, multiple times. We should times. have a Monday Night Football talk with him this week. Let's do it. All right, Ricky, let's get our Andrew Marchand on the horn uh, for the uh, podcast this way, this week maybe. Yeah, I'll get right on it. Great. That means I will be doing that in about an hour. Um, Here's what Marchand has the latest on the ESPN Monday Night Football situation. Under the headline. Now this, you know what? NFL.com can learn from the New York Post uh, when it comes to headlines. ESPN's awkward Drew Brees chase isn't stopping after $50 million Saints deal. Now I'm in. I'm reading this story. Um, this is the report from Marshawn that Brees, despite resigning with the Saints, is still someone that ESPN covets and someone they want to, they would hope to lock into some type of deal even before his playing days are over so that he can go straight from the field to the Monday Night Football booth and give them the name brand uh, star that they've been craving for a long time now. But because Brees is not ready to retire yet, uh, they, for the time being, 
uh, have an eye, their sights set on a group comprised of Steve Levy, Lewis Reddick, and Dan Orlovsky. Uh, according to Marshawn, they've emerged as the top candidates for uh, next season's Monday Night Football booth. But that could be a short-term answer if that's what they do go with because Breeze is the guy they truly covet. Mark Sessler, your thoughts? Well, I just find it, I, again, it's the same thing a little bit with Peyton Manning. I, I've never, has anyone heard Drew Brees utter a, a syllable um, in, in the idea of wanting to become a, a broadcaster? If anything, I feel like he's not someone who loves the media to begin with. Uh, the, the Lewis Riddick side of it, I think he'd be very intriguing. Same with Orlovsky. But Brees, it's like you're chasing after Romo Part 2. But someone else tell me that, he, that why, why he'd be a sensational shoe-in on Monday Night Football. I don't I don't see it. Yeah, there's a lot of directions to go with this, but the one one thing that stood out to me just with Breeze was hearing this report on top of Sean Payton yesterday when he spoke to the media, I think it was a, a local radio, calling 2020 Breeze's last season and it not being followed up on by the host. <laughs> he just he sort of just threw it out there, and you didn't know if he was just like kind of saying it but not meaning it. Um, but then this report, and then if you look at Breeze's contract where it's all guaranteed in the first year, nothing guaranteed in the second, that's at least one takeaway from, from this for me is that maybe there is a feeling that this really, Breeze is going into this season with the intention that he is done after 2020. That's pretty wild. Because, yes, we know how NFL contracts work, and they're inherently ridiculous. But he signed a two-year deal like a month ago. But that and, helps. It helps the cap. So, And he's been doing stuff like that in general. Yeah. Right. I just mean more the idea that you could make that announcement, and then a few weeks later the head coach is saying it's his last season. It just, it just seems so silly the way the contract world works in the NFL. Tony Romo is the exception. I mean, we've seen guys – the expectations for Boomer Esiason and Tiki Barber were even higher than they were for Tony Romo, and they were out after a year or two. I just You can't just assume that guys are going to be great in the booth. Right. What if Nate Peterman is quietly the best analyst <laughs> sitting out there, and we just because you want to grab like this A-lister, uh, it's gonna be, it could be extremely disappointing if Breeze, one year out of football, went and flopped on national television every Monday night. I mean, that would be very disappointing, but that part of the whole Monday Night Football mystique, if you want to call it that, is that they want the big star. And and Breeze, if nothing else... The mystique else, is gone. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, that, I understand where you're coming from on that. Monday Night Football used to be the primetime game. It's lumped in with a group of games, and it's not even the, the uh, premier game, according to the NFL schedule makers. But that's not the way ESPN looks at it. They look at it as one of their most precious brands and uh, a major ratings uh, monster for them still to this day. And they want that big star. And Nate Peterman, as good as he would be, they think <laughs> that ratings are going to be better with a big name. Now, you could then discuss... Well, are they? Do they have this whole thing wrong? Stop yes. trying to chase a big fish and just get the best guy. But that's not how the machine seems to operate. They've had it wrong for a few years now, and the mystique isn't there. Not because of the games. The mystique isn't there because of the way ESPN runs their program. Well, they might be changing it, and the, and the timing of all of this is really interesting because there's a belief that it's going to go back to ABC and ESPN, like they'll, they'll put it on both networks, but it'll be on ABC maybe starting in 2022, um, and that these next this next year or two is this strange in-between, and so you could get Breeze in the building. The article indicates they might even try to sign him you know, before the season starts so that he's locked in so that when they're selling themselves and part of this big package, all these TV deals are up, that he's going to be part of it moving forward, which makes it very strange for whatever they do for 2020. Regardless, like this report indicated it might be Riddick and Orlovsky or it might be Riddick or Orlovsky and they and they choose one or the other. But it's very awkward and seemingly counterproductive to go into a season with those guys knowing that might be it for them. Yeah, no, I was just about to say there's a Roman Coliseum vibe to the the whole thing where it's like, you're hired, the three of you, only two of you will have the job next year, maybe, but one of you will almost certainly be gone. That seems like a tricky situation, but I guess if you're those guys, it's still such a great opportunity that you probably take it and assume ESPN won't kick you out the door entirely if they decide to move on from you. What happens if Lewis Riddick shines as many expect right. him to do in that role 
and you know whether it's him or or Orlovsky are pulled from the lineup for a guy whose face we recognize because he was in a football helmet the year before and the production totally is not equal to what it was before I just I you know to me this the whole thing feels like confused like confusion and confused thinking from what we're hearing you know the word that comes to mind for me Mark desperation yeah I think they're like they're they they know that they need to hit a home run next time around but their plans don't suggest uh any real clear thinking on how to hit the home run well they also apparently kind of the other option would be using their top college duo uh, which is Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet, which also doesn't seem to make sense because then you're hurting your college th- your college coverage and who wants the college guys doing the pro games? But what if there isn't college football in 2020? <laughs> There's also this. another thought that ABC, ESPN might be you know trying to get two packages of games in this next deal. And so then... In theory, an Orlovsky, you know, and Steve, in who was it, Steve Levy combination might be doing games on this other package that they're getting. There's a, there's a lot out there. <laughs> a lot to break down. That's why we need Marchand on the show. Let's move on uh, back to NFL league matters. In a memo sent to uh, the teams on Monday, Roger Goodell announced the 2020 draft will be conducted. Here's the exact wording entirely outside of their facilities and in a fully virtual format. So let's get those um, 1995 Skinamax VR masks away from the Sessler children and put them on the heads of GMs because the draft is ready to cook. (laughs) Mark, I know you were really enjoying the comedy that was coming from this story uh, on Twitter. Well, I fully get it that, you know, you're going to have a lot of, uh, wiseacres out there pitching wiseacres. their humor about, uh, you know, this wiseacres. GM has never used a computer or he doesn't know how to plug in his, you know, dial up. I mean, I, it, it, it's it's inevitable and everyone's stuck at home. And so it's it's just magnified. Uh, I, the, all I'd say, and I think that there is, it, it is interesting that last year, I think I had a sandwich bet that a team would miss a draft pick. Um, and now that is tangibly an option if something weird happened to some team out there. I think it's reading like Peter King's column from today that these GMs and guys that are couch at home right now are dealing with what a lot of us are dealing with. You're trying to run a high octane um, business while kids are like throwing baseballs against the bedroom door and like, you know, and dogs are barking and there's fights between animals and children while you're essentially trying to get the cult's draft up and running. So it's more interesting than ever before. But I mean, tons of companies run this way. I don't I just don't expect it to I'm, be total Armageddon. I'm going to assume I could be wrong, but because this, there's millions and millions of dollars and jobs on the line with the draft that the NFL would probably decamp high level. I hope this is the answer, but I, I you never know. High level IT dudes to each of the locations. So the person, uh, the GM, like a Gettleman type, is not uh, messing with his 56K modem uh, furiously with the Giants up next on the clock. I, I imagine they'll, they're going to have these things taken care of, but it is, like you said, Mark, a, a ju- juicy subplot to track. Will there be more wiggle room when it comes to the clock and what – and if there are technical difficulties or will not, will it be like a no holds barred, you know, if you miss your pick, you miss your pick. I guess it adds a little juice to the proceeding. <laughs> I want, I want some cameras in the house for the, uh, this animals versus children battles going on. <laughs> it's like, it's like, go read, go read Peter King's, uh, you know, Monday morning thing, because it basically talked about how these guys are having to adjust mm. to that environment. I I'm just taking think the animals, funny, you know? I think the oh, animals have go, more heart. Yeah, animals and if animals are stirred in the wrong direction, I take an animal over a small child very quickly. I believe it's football morning in the USA with Peter King. <laughs> is the name of the column? I don't know. Things are changing fast. That was the title. I'm assuming that's still the title. <laughs> um, you guys remember? Um, you know, don't try to pretend like you don't. In the mid '90s, if you know, you had the TV on a little later at night on certain cable channels, um, Cinemax or something like that. About 50% of the plots on those particular films revolved around virtual reality headgear. That was huge. That was one of the great tropes of that late night program. I about 50%, but it was... 50, it was one a... out of every two. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, you guys are, are revealing a lot right you now. Turn on, you watch a Red Shoe Diaries from 96, someone's wearing a mask. Well... <laughs> Now, why, why, Wes, why place. do the GMs have to be, you know, wearing a mask? We're not wearing masks, you know. We're 
Why can't I, I'm just saying, a- man, on most of those programs, somebody's wearing a headset and it's <laughs> plugged in and it's really changing the, their experience. It cuts over to Bill Belichick. He's got like the goggles on. He's just like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> the goggles are all fogged up. <laughs> Auga! <laughs> Bill, we're up. We're on the clock. <laughs> David Duchovny used to host Red Shoe Diaries. Remember that? I like uh, Greg and Mark and Wes. Like, what is this guy even talking about? No, well, I, 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 if anything, I just my memory is of that that sort of part of media is a little bit different than what you're describing. Media premium cable did not exist in my right. life until the last few years. All right, fair enough. Yikes! <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do? All right, you can't I, afford no, cable. I, I, you can't afford cable. I Dan, that. I am not claiming innocence on this front. I just, I have maybe a different take on what I experienced. Well, back in my day, we only had magazines. <laughs> Victoria's Secret magazine. No, there my was dad had a cooler full of Playboys in the styrofoam <laughs> cooler. <laughs> in the '90s, there was a craze that went down in my um, uh, Rockland County, where I'm from. Uh, it was called the Scrambler Box. I don't know if this was happening up in Western Mass or in Connecticut, but um, I believe the statute of limitations is up on this, so I could talk about it. But um, everyone got the Scrambler Box, which basically gave you access to 100 channels. Uh, it was, you know, it was off the books. It was not street legal. It even gave you access to the pay-per-view channels, Channel 95 yeah. and Channel 98, Request, sure. it was called, where we were from. And um, so you didn't need to pay the p- premium price for cable if you had the Scrambler. So I don't know if that made it to Cincinnati. I knew but, one uh, kid with the Scrambler. With the Scrambler, scrambler was thing, like a but... 1970s automobile where I came from. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone had like the friend with it. But like it also required those the friend's parents to be overtly breaking rules. Uh, it was like you, know, you had to stick a couple boys, of dimes in the back of it to like make it work or something weird. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know where the where like my parents who aren't like rule breakers by any stretch uh, got their scrambler from, but like everyone I knew had it. They had a guy. You had they a, had a well, guy. They, they, are scrambler rule, guy. they are rule breakers. It was like New way, York, New they... Jersey. Maybe it fell off the back of a truck. Maybe it was one of those situations. <laughs> um, all right, let's get back on track here and talk a little bit about. The 2010 All-Decade team, which was announced, uh, here are the headliners, um, Tom Brady, Aaron Donald, Rob Gronkowski, uh, names that you expect. Greg, you love this stuff. Who are some names that surprised you mm. on the All-Decade list and maybe some notable snubs? Ooh. Um, the biggest surprises were guys like Tyron Matthew, newer player, Ed- Eric Weddle. Um, but then I have to like have my list, and Wes is more prepared for that, of who I would have replaced those guys with. My biggest takeaway was kind of the guys who get a Hall of Fame boost. Because if you get an, an all-decade team, and they're not doing first and second teams anymore, which is a little confusing because they used to do that, and I, I don't like that lack of uh, consistency. But guys like Marshawn Lynch, LaShawn McCoy, Calais Campbell, uh, Cameron Jordan, Geno Atkins, Tyron Matthew, maybe someday, like all of those guys, Devin Hester. When they, right. When they come up for hall of fame, you know, consideration someday. And I know for some of those names that seems surprising, but they still have time to keep playing. Like that'll be a big deal. And, and it'll help some of those guys uh, get over the finish line. Yeah. I, I, Devin Hester was the first guy I thought of because as a return specialist, there's been some debate over whether he would get in or not. And to me, you can make a strong argument. He's the best return specialist of all time um, and having all decade in two different decades. I think that's enough to put him in. I yeah, see that's a good point. I see Darrell Rivas on this list. We talked about Rivas. I think, I don't know what it was, maybe when he officially retired, I can't remember exactly the, the circumstances, but his uh, truly great years were 08 and 09. I don't, Greg, you would know uh, maybe was he on the all decade team in the previous decade? I don't know. Uh, because his those were two of the greatest years ever of the position. He was still a, a huge impact guy um, in 10, 11, and then he had one final year with the Patriots where he got a ring. A little surprised he gets all decade uh, because his peak wasn't that high in the first two years, which were his best, weren't in the decade, but maybe a little bit of name brand nod there. Two, yeah, I mean, like, if they're starting it in 2010 – then he had three first-team All-Pros, you know, 2010, 2011, 2014. Uh, and it might have just been kind of a position that was tough to fill because 
Chris Harris got in as a defensive back. Um, you know, the, the cornerbacks were pretty easy, I think, to start with Peterson uh, and Richard Sherman. But again, I keep thinking of like the, these really will come up as Hall of Fame kind of boosting um you know, reasons why guys should get in. The other, the other thing I would change, maybe, maybe it's a little crazy, but wouldn't you put breeze over Aaron Rodgers, or is that crazy? No. Nick Shook has a piece on NFL.com top 10 snubs of the all decade list. He has breeze at number one over Rodgers. Mm. It's kind of a fascinating conversation because Rodgers at his peak, which would let's say 10 to 15, no brainer, but hasn't breeze Mark been more consistent over the 10 year stretch. I mean, I could go either way with that one. I, I, It seems weird to me that Breeze often feels like the guy kind of left out of some of these conversations. Always. Uh, it, Never it, made it, an all-pro this decade. I mean, he's been ultra, 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 you know, consistent. And I, I, for me, you you know, it's just you're going to pick two quarterbacks. There's going to be a bunch of people freaking out. Hmm. There were. I, have, I was surprised at how many people made this list. I mean, everybody made it except for the biggest snub I found, which was Levante David. We talked about my list a couple of months ago when I did this. Levante David, number one among off-the-ball linebackers in forced fumbles, tackles for loss, and solo tackles in the decade hmm. and did not make the team. I what well, Wes, there was a lot. It, it basically was they did a first and second team, but they didn't delineate between the two. Which so I mean, everybody made this team. Annoys you, right? But it's the same. It's the same amount of players that have always made it in terms of like they announced the second team along with the first team, and there's four defensive ends, for instance. But it does get you thinking. Um, I think PFF had a huge impact, and it's going to be having an impact now on Hall of Fame cases, stuff like that. Like Calais Campbell, Cam Jordan, they weren't making this list without PFF. Geno Atkins. Geno Atkins, I don't think, is making this list without PFF. There, there's Chris Harris is not. Eric Weddle is not. And it does show what a what a difference um, that site has made, I think, uh, for some of these players and their reputations and their money. Greg, one question for you, because if, you, if, the, if the argument helps the player get over the hump into the Hall of Fame, I mean, obviously for the coaches, they picked Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll. Do you, and I, you know, I am much more interested in seeing some – Coaches from days of old get Hall of Fame nods. I mean, did you consider Pete Carroll already a Hall of Fame coach, or does this do anything for you if you didn't think that that he now is? I do. I did think he was. I do too. I did. I, I don't did think, think he, he should he even be on this list. I think Andy Reid should have been there. Hmm. Personal. Nick Shook agrees. He has him number four on the snub list. Yeah, I mean that makes it's, but you know, it's the next layer of people that have a really imagine doing your job as well as. And in any industry, as well as Drew Brees did over the last right. 10 years and not making the list, it just seems utterly absurd. It's close. Andy Reid did not have some of his you know, best uh, Eagles years there early. And Carroll kind of the timing worked out for him. He took over that program, I think, in 09 or 10. And then they went flying. That's about as good a like rebuild job as, as anyone's ever done. In uh, other news, sad news uh, out of the NFL, uh, Tom Dempsey, who famously kicked a 63-yard field goal on November 8th, 1970. Um, really kind of a great human interest story, too. He was born without – he had no toes uh, on his kicking foot, his right foot. He wore a modified shoe, um, and he used the straight-toe kicking style, uh, and he hit a 63-yarder, a record that stood for decades. Um, he passed away on Saturday night at the age of 73, he died uh, after contracting uh, the coronavirus. The, Sa- the Saints made this announcement. Uh, he had been battling health issues for several years, Alzheimer's and dementia. And these older uh, people, that they are the most susceptible, as we've been hearing for weeks and weeks. And Dempsey obviously was. Uh, so we lose Tom Dempsey at the age of 73. Yeah, he hit that kick in, in Tulane Stadium and – I'm, I read the uh, the obituary in, in the New Orleans Times Picayune, and it pointed out something I always noticed, even just being down there and knowing Saints fans. Like, that kick was the most memorable Saints moment they had in the first 30 years of, of their uh, existence. So as, as odd as it seems now, considering the success that 
they've had like that m- moment they would show the replay and they would bring Tom Dempsey out and like he he lived in New Orleans and everything like that was that was you know that was the biggest thing that had ever happened to them and the record did stand for four decades which there aren't many records out there that end up you know, sitting there for 40 they years they also noted that that before Dempsey lined up to kick that in the in that was a game winner 1917 over the Lions that Lions players were openly giggling at Dempsey before he uh, made the attempt and then he just silenced them and I love that. <laughs> it wasn't until 1984 that another kicker even made one from 60 yards and then he was finally the record finally was broken by Matt Prater in 2013 who had a 64 yarder but he kicked it I think he kicked it up there in the mountains there in Denver which is fine it's fine but it should be noted uh, that he had the mile high air uh, behind him. You so. can you can see over the generations that it's a much faster game with better athletes. But kicker is the one position where you could see it happening as it happened in the 80s and 90s. These guys were just so much better than they were in the 60s and 70s because they were toe bangers and then they became soccer style kickers. It's, you started to recruit old quarterbacks who would kick like the best athletes were going into kicking instead of like the guy that was an afterthought. And Tom Dempsey's record to stand that long, a guy born without toes kicking with a wedge, to stand for decades when the position just kept getting better and better. (laughs) Uh, And here's one final stat that is kind of remarkable, and it's to your point, Wes, how the kicking game evolved. He was a rookie with the Saints in 1969, and he earned uh, his only Pro Bowl and All-Pro nod uh, in a season in which he kicked, uh, had 41... um, Field goal attempts, he only converted 53.7%. That's gold. <laughs> a long of 53 yards, and he was an all-pro. So, yes, it's a, it's a different world now in the kicking game. Uh, but Tom Dempsey, at least for one day, was king. Finally, in the news, uh, we head to Tybee, where there's some major, major uh, news going down. The governor of Georgia... I believe this is the same governor, Wes, who was unaware that people could transmit COVID-19 without showing symptoms. He was a little behind the curve on that. He made the decision to open up the beaches in Georgia and the people of Tybee Island, Wes, your uh, former home, uh, and specifically the mayor of Tybee Island, Shirley Sessions, furious uh, that the the governor uh, would put the people of Tybee in, in danger. Here is the statement from Shirley Sessions. As the Pentagon ordered 100,000 body bags to store the corpses of Americans killed by the coronavirus, Governor Brian Kemp dictated that Georgia beaches must reopen and declared any decision makers who refused to follow these orders would face prison and or fines. Tybee City Council and I are devastated by the sudden directives and do not support his decisions. The health of our residents, staff, and visitors are being put at risk, and we will pursue legal avenues to overturn his reckless mandate. Wes, your thoughts? Well, you guys have met my friend Jason Buelterman, who had been the mayor for the last 15 years on Tybee. He grew up in Cincinnati with me. We went to the same high school. Um, He kind of abdicated the throne last year. He was sort of a centrist Republican, I don't know if he would have come out this strongly. Shirley Sessions, who is now the mayor, is a little bit older and more left-leaning. And Tybee, you know, people hear that you lived in Georgia, the Deep South, and often the assumption is that things might be a little backwards. Um, Tybee is a pocket of independent thinking, like most islands. It's an end-of-the-road place where people wash up, uh, people looking for something else, people trying to be apart from society. They are not going to think the way the rest of Georgia does, and they're going to think independently. The governor is it could be costing lives here, and Tybee is saying, no, we don't want it. We want to do the smart thing. Hmm. I mean, Feels very much of the spirit of the island, Wes. Absolutely. I mean, it's making national news. I wonder, um, you know, your friend Jason, who married you, he's the reason you, you went did. to Tybee in the first place. Well, conducted the service. Yeah, 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 that yeah. sounds exactly. that, that, <laughs> well, officiated. Okay, you guys knew what I meant. Officiated uh, is better. He, I wonder if he, he wishes, you know, she's, Shirley's getting a lot of pop here. This is national news. So I wonder if he, Oh, interesting. If he, um, you know, a little jealous. I think Jason got a lot of pop for the way he handled hurricanes, the beach renourishment. You know, he was, he was on CNN and and other news outlets himself. I think it got to the point where he was tired at like 
3.30 in the morning, drunk people showing up at his house complaining about, you know, whatever's on their minds. That probably got a little old after 15 mm. to 20 years. <laughs> Well, good like for, 15 minutes. Good for Shirley. I mean, uh, Long Island's getting ravaged right now because of a lot of people that left New York City and went to hang out in Long Island uh, at their second homes and kind of brought the disease there. And so it it's good for her to try to keep keep her, her uh, people safe. That's what's happening in the news. Uh, before we say goodbye, Mark, I want to present a sliding door scenario to you. Okay. All right. But you have to promise to give a honest answer. I always promise that. To everyone, both on this chat right now, on the show, and the listeners. All right. Is this some form of revenge for the nope. game from Friday? Okay. Nope, not at all. I'm going to give you two life path choices. You have to pick one. Path one, you could be part, part of the scientific team who develops the vaccine for COVID-19. Or you take over, and again, this is in a different reality. In about 1999, 2000, you take over as Brown's head coach or quarterback. It's your choice. And go on a Patriots-like run for the next two decades. You are Cleveland royalty that makes LeBron James look like Danny Ferry. No one will ever know which life path you choose. You don't want me to tell you? What is your choice? I'm choosing B. <laughs> I, I don't have any scientific <laughs> skills at all, so I don't... I just think no, that you're a great reality, quarterback... In this reality, just like you're not a real great quarterback, sorry, you were, I believe you were an offensive line or a cornerback. Um, uh, multi-position. You're a quarterback. Or a head coach. In this reality, the sliding door reality, you are a fairly gifted scientist, one that's um, renowned enough to be on this team that develops the cure. But you're not the only person. You're not Jonas Salk. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going B. I just think B, like I would have, you're talking about, I, number one, I do trust that uh, it, without me being there, that someone else is going to create the vaccine. I already know what other people uh, created in Cleveland. If I could have um, put together two decades worth of incredibly happy Sundays and changed the history of the league, yeah, I'm going B. You're going to change the skyline in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, it's the other thing will happen. If it's like, oh, if you said the the virus will never be solved because of my... We don't, don't know, know that, though. We don't know that. You don't know. In this scenario, yeah, I'm if going, you chose I'm still A, going B. You're taking that no. chance. I mean, I... Like, I, you, I, like, I admire your honesty on this. It's this, the first one just, you know, I, ho- I hope and pray that happens. Um, the second one, you know, I... That's attractive to me. Would you be the attractive. Would you be the head coach or the quarterback if given the choice? I'd much rather be the head coach. That's what I thought. I thought you would choose that. Most people and, would choose. You know, I'd rather. I'd also be sort of the GM, like Bill Belichick, yep. where they're like, "Hey, you know, they didn't pick a GM for the All Decade team, but it's just obviously Sessler." I mean, come on. Footballs are. Yeah. All right, there you go. We can uh, we can shut that music down because not even a hesitation, Greg. That's what jumped out to me. Yeah, I mean, Mark's willing to put a lot of lives at risk for his little glory glory time. Thing. Ricky, would you choose the well. same, make the same choice as Mark if, if you had part of the COVID-19 cure team or like a kind of a best case life scenario for you? What would you choose? I mean, it, it is it is hard. You know, it's like the glory, the fame, the, you know, oh, you're attention. taking B. No, hell no. I'm not going to no, risk don't. the human Please. life. All right. Here we go. You are a Taylor Swift type figure in B. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah, no. you got it like hardwire no, into No, no, no. I feel like right now, like I'm not I might lie. Nobody will ever know. Yeah, I'm going to be, choose. I'm going to be the scientist. I'm going to I'm going to save the world. You're also a 67-year-old pudgy white man. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no, no, Taylor Swift. All right. Let's see there how quickly it changes. Yeah. All right. Uh good stuff today, folks. Um, we will continue to come at you five days a week. We know you're loving it, and we enjoy doing it as well. So why stop? The Bunker Cast will roll on Tuesday with our special guest, Peter Schrager. We'll do some, frankly, 
vaguely overdue draft talk. We don't we don't <laughs> tend to really dive into this realm, and we kind of I guess put it off. But it's really a, out of respect for the listener because it's not our ballywick, right, Wes? Uh, but at some point we need to do some homework and get the listeners up to speed a little bit from uh, the ATN podcast standpoint. Commendable use of Ballywick there. Right. Because like, if there was a, a podcast that the NFL provided that you know, covered the draft, yeah, maybe we wouldn't need to do this. Right. But since, since sure. there isn't, um, we need to step and fill that hole. It seems like an uh, underserved market that they should look into. That's the way. Uh... It's a huge part of the NFL, and it's, it's kind of, uh, to me, st- as stunning a development as anything inside our media house that they've not come up with a draft-centric program. Right. What are you waiting for? I mean, I mean, we have the resources we have as the NFL to go out and find a guy, a guy that has experience inside a front office that's been on the road, that can talk a little bit, that might look okay on camera. Uh, it seems like an easy thing for our company and our league, but we just haven't done it yet. So when, whenever that happens, maybe this is something. Ricky, let's uh, get uh, some of the big uh, Shadow League figures on the horn after the show, and we'll, we'll maybe pitch somebody. I got Lance Zerline, who does mm, good stuff. Or like Buffy Rhett, Brooks. Rhett Lewis. Rhett's very good, total pro. Yeah. I don't know. These are just, we're just spitballing in real time right now. Yeah. All right. Dan Hans is signing off for The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Old Boss, Ricky Hollywood, who definitely would be Taylor Swift, no matter the circumstances. <laughs> Peter Schrager tomorrow till Tuesday. go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com at JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.